Why do you need to love your book more than your publisher or editor? Let's find out right effing now. Welcome back to the podcast as we help you master writing, marketing, and publishing one bite at a time. This is a message I can't repeat often enough. You have to love your book more than anyone else to make it the masterpiece you want it to be. I'll explain what I mean right after this. It's time to write effing now. Here's your host. She's the book lady, the word nerd, and a shameless writing addict, Hillary Jastrom. I spoke to an author just today who told me, I'll get back to you, but I know I'm going to do it. To which I said to him, of course you are, because the truth is once you've been bitten by the book writing bug, you now have no choice. You are being held captive. You are prisoner. It is not a matter of if you are going to get that book out into the world. It is when. And who knows what form that is going to take. And it might not be this month, this year, or even this decade. But if you are so moved as to share your words with the world, that it makes you think even for a glimmer, a wrinkle in time, that you might write a book, you're screwed. Well, that's where we come in. Bookmark takes authors who have screwed themselves and we help them to turn out the best book they possibly can. Just head on over to jhillcreative.com, jhill1lcreative.com. Click the contact button on the upper menu and we'll be in touch to unscrew you. Listen, I can't love your book more than you do. And here's why. But first, here's what I mean. You have to love your book enough to do your homework. You have to love your book enough to check off the boxes on each of the stages that make up the total completion of your book. Whether that means you need to sit down and edit those bios, that you need to schedule your headshot with a photographer, and sometimes that photographer might be an eagle-eyed spouse, I get it. I've done that before, and it worked really well until my husband started seeing me through the eyes of love. The eyes of love don't see certain things like double chins and frizzy hair, (laughs) and that's fine when you're going out in the world, but when it's on a book, we need to refine ourselves a little bit. Any of the things that make up the total completion of your book need to be owned by you. You need to go in and create certain accounts and publishing apps that you're asked to do, so you need to complete those. Maybe you need to stop phoning it in and sit down and drench yourself in your own writing. Stop for a minute. Stop the world and melt with you. I forgot who sings that. I hope somebody tells me it's bad company, bad English, something. But stop the world and melt with you. Melt with yourself and what you're capable of doing. Allow yourself to be in that place. I often talk about when you're ready to sit down and write, envision yourself at a campfire. So you're there. Your express purpose for being there is to tell stories. It is not to do anything else. It is not to speed up time. It's to grab a drink. It's to roast a marshmallow. It's to eat s'mores. That is your express purpose. We don't even do that at the dinner table. 
the express purpose at the dinner table is to sit down and consume fodder so that we're able to metabolize it into energy and go about our day. That is not the case in the campfire. We sit down at the campfire and our express purpose is to be with each other. It's to catch up. It's to share. And in large part, we do that through storytelling. So what if you did that for yourself when you were writing? What if you sat down and you stopped time and you got involved in the details the dialogue and the thoughts that you have in the descriptions, the body language, the facial expressions. What if you did that? That's what I mean. And that's what we're going to talk about today. More importantly, we are going to talk about how you are supposed to overcome these things. Sometimes people don't move forward, and I know this, and they don't love their book as much, and maybe it isn't even a case of that at that time, but this is what it translates out to be. If you don't do your homework, are you loving yourself enough? Are you loving your book enough? Even if the reason that you didn't do your homework is because you're scared. You might not even be afraid of the work itself. You might be afraid of progressing. I've had a handful of writers who have check the boxes on things. And then when we got toward the finish line, they threw that break. They just said, forget it. I'm slamming on the emergency parking brake on this thing. I don't want to go forward. I can't go forward. I'm afraid to go forward. I will be exposed. I can't do it. That's not loving your book enough. That's not loving yourself through these fears enough. So whatever the reason is that the work stops, it is not loving your book enough. I, as the editor and publisher, cannot love your book more than you do because I have a vision for your book. Every book that comes through the door, I go, here's what I envision it to be. This is how it's going to unfold. This is the larger overarching scope of it. And these are the components that make up those pieces. That is my vision. I need to make sure that I do everything in my power to achieve that vision. My vision for your book is going to be different than your vision for your book. So if I, even if I try and I say, I'm going to love this book across the finish line, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. If you don't have to say in your book, if you don't stand up and say, nope, I want to do this and I want it to look like this. You're not loving it enough. You're just letting it go. Ah, well, I guess so. Sure, why not? I'm not going to put any thought into this. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you make that investment? Why would you stop that way? So here's why you need to love your book more. And I'm just going to run down. You know, my favorite thing to do is make lists and check the box. And this episode is no different. Number one is ownership. I think it's critically important that we take ownership in things. And this obviously moves right on down the line into writing your book. And I mean ownership over your words. I mean ownership over your message. I mean that you are planting a stake in the ground and saying, I want it to be like this and here's why. 
ownership in talking about what is important to you as far as how the book is portrayed to the world, how you put it out there, how you speak about it, how you want the reader to interact with it, that you speak up and say, this is important to me to do it this way, this is why. That's ownership because then when you're done, you can say, I worked on this. And that equals that you own it. It's hard to have ownership for something that you hand off and say, well, I'm going to do this thing, but uh, I'm only going to half-ass it. And uh, and so you're going to feel that lack of ownership. You're going to feel that lack of pride. You may feel disconnected to the content. And I'm not saying for the people that hire the ghost writers or the partial ghost writers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person who becomes very uninvolved. I'm talking about the person who no-shows for client appointments. Um, FYI, Rudy Tuesday, okay? I'm talking about the person who blows off the appointments, who reschedules multiple times. I'm talking about the person who dips their foot in and out of the pool and says, maybe I'm going to do it. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm going to do it. Maybe I'm not. Oh, today I'm madly possessed with doing it. I've cleared my entire schedule. I'm going to do this. Well, if that's how you're getting done, that's the type of effort that you're going to have in your book. And conversely, that's the type of ownership that you're going to feel. Make that commitment. It is as important as anything. If it's not, that's one thing. Maybe it's not and you're learning that. Oh, I guess I don't want to write a book. That's great. Nobody's judging you for that. Nobody's judging you anyways. You can do whatever you want to do. But the bottom line is if you're not pouring in the time into getting the work done, you will feel that lack of ownership. Ownership is important. Even in a team of collaboration, which I think is the greatest thing ever in the whole wide world because we all shine brighter, we all are able, when it's done to a way that enables everybody, we are able to shine our own genius zone, to feed into each other, to enrich each other and enhance each other. Within that collaboration, there are particles of ownership that make you want to talk about it, that make you feel like I earned this. And that feeds into item number two, which is pride. You're proud of the work. You feel great about it. It was here, now it's here. I feel really awesome about it. I'm going to share it with the world because it was done well. There's no better feeling than that, something that's done well that you attach your name to. Try and think of a better feeling when you're Speaking of work, I'm not talking about like winning the lottery or petting a llama or anything like that, but having pride in something that you do because you know that you did it the hard way, you know that you did it in a way that was connected to integrity. It was integrous. And that's important. And in our world today, that's actually pretty rare. You can take pride in your work. If you're not thrilled with your work, if you're not proud of your work, you won't talk about it. You won't even tell anybody that you wrote a book. I've shared the story about how my first book, which was a novel, which is a novel, Killing Carl, 2Ks. It's on Amazon. Check it out. 
we did the cover ourselves. My husband and I went to our children's playground at their old elementary school, got some crime tape, laid stuff out. We had the cover. Back then, we really didn't have great resolution. And then uh, also I was working in this janky freaking uh, book cover application that was one of the first to ever get peddled out into the market. And you could see it. It looked like um, if a five-year-old was doing a documentary about a serial killer. So while that may sound interesting, it I didn't have pride in it. And so I didn't share that I wrote a book. Normally, we should be on top of the roofs with our megaphones, but I didn't. Pride is important. Number three, quality and authenticity. Quality, obviously, because we're making sure that uh, I's are dotted, T's are crossed when it comes to your life, your story, your history, your visions, your fantasies, your characters. Everything that you wanted to be is very quality-centric. It centers around you as the author. This is what I want to put out. This is what I envisioned. So it didn't get bastardized. It didn't get diluted because I stayed involved in it because I loved the book more than anybody else. Authenticity to the point of, yes, this is what I have always envisioned. It's authentic to me. Nobody made it up. It's who I am. These are really important points when you're writing your book. I honestly can't underscore them enough. At the outset, it seems like somebody talks about, oh, I wrote a book. It is so fun. It's so great. And it's, and uh, it just makes me feel wonderful. It is in the hard work that we discover who we are, what we want to own, what we want to be proud of, the type of quality that we want to put out there, who we are as authentic people. And that is owed to your reader. So I'm going to slip one in there. I was doing these, just making this list out. But this is for the reader. If you don't love the book more than anybody else, how would you expect the reader to love it? And you know what? A successful book should be loved the most by the reader because that's the gift for them. That's what you gave them. Number whatever we're on, I show four, but now we're at five because I slipped that one in, do it for the reader, is transformation. You will quite simply become a very different person from who you were in the beginning of the journey to who you are at the end of the journey. If you go through this with a book coach, with a conscience, who cares who's going to walk you through all of the various pieces, who is going to be not only a book coach, but they are going to be a sort of life coach as you're moving along. How's this going? Why is it going this way? Why aren't we getting our stuff done? Are you being honest with yourself? Is this something you really want to do? These are all elements of transformation 
when you answer these questions. I am a different person now. I proved to myself at the end of writing two books, I can do it. That is my transformation. That is a new part of my identity. Some of these pieces are things that you will earn along the way. Then you should earn along the way. This is not a situation where you just have these gifts handed out to you. You earn transformation. You earn quality. You earn pride. You earn ownership. You can't buy it at a mastermind. You can't take a course and get it. There is no replacement for the hard work that you have to do. And you are damn sure when you're done and you're holding that book up, it is a tangible representation of everything that you have gone through. Everything you've put yourself through willingly because you have loved the book more than anyone else. That flows seamlessly into our next number, whatever the hell it is, internally, you'll change. You'll have different actions. You'll take different actions. You'll make different decisions. You have different experiences that you call on, and these may flow into different habits that you adapt, a different routine. You'll have new perspectives in the way that you look at things. It's another shard in the book writing journey that is earned. You can't buy it. You can't pay four payments of $19.99, please. These are some of the most memorable lessons of your life because writing a book is so special. Because so few people do it. So you join this elite club of people who decided, I'm going to kick my own butt. I'm going to follow through on it. I'm going to love this book more than anything. I'm going to willingly return to it. I'm going to shower it with passion and kisses. I'm going to romance the hell out of this book. That's what you're doing. And if you think lessons will not come out of those things, they always do. Anytime that we give ourselves such a present as that. I don't care what it is. If you're like, you know what? I finally want to take that pottery class. And you sink into it every step and you willingly rush towards that class every week. I can't wait to go. I can't wait to learn. What are all these different types of kilns and their, their different heat settings? What about the materials and the glazes that we're using? What about the process that we go through? Oh, if I want to achieve this look, then I adapt how I touch the clay, right? What a gift to give yourself, the gift of experience. How you change. It forces you to slow down. It forces you to work on your patience. It forces you to work on your mindset and to keep progressing forward during times that you do not feel confident at all. And still you say to yourself, this is true acceptance and true self-love right here. I am feeling so unconfident 
so shaky, so vulnerable about this. What if people see this about me? But I'm going to keep going. And the only way that we keep going is we have faith in ourselves. That is what is so special about writing a book. I have faith in myself that I'm going to take something I don't truly believe in right now. Or maybe if I believe in the underlying message, I don't believe in the presentation. That doesn't matter because I have faith in myself and I know I am going to get it across the finish line. And I am so excited about that moment to come. It will come because I say it will come. That's that directiveness. That's that power. Only empowerment that you seek from yourself that nobody else can give to you. That's how you change internally. You want to change internally. You want to change your mindset set to the task that you think you can't do, but that you have to keep dredging up faith for again and again to finally get to the process, to the end result that you are proud of, that is incredible transformation. Number six or seven, just the frame of reference and the expectations that are being given to you after you write a book phenomenal in a word. When you write your first book, you go, huh, I'm just going to go along this journey. I'm not really sure what's going to come up in it. Don't really know what to expect. I haven't been through it before. I've talked to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And author one told me this, and author two told me this thing, and author three told me that other thing, and author four told me something else entirely. What will my journey be like? How do I work best? How am I best organized? So if I want to hit it again, if I want to put a second book out, now I have a frame of reference. And somebody talks to me and uses a little bit of book jargon, right? FYI, the sexiest language there is. Bye. Like even over Latin, I think book jargon is super sexy, like manuscript. What? Yes. <laughs> Reference and expectations. We take in information that we need going forward in our lives. And these are magnificent moments because they're moments when we grow as people, when our brain grows. Brain has to grow because we got to find a way to jam in that information that we can call on later. Number seven is the expertise that you gain more in a tactile nature in programs, for example. You'll understand the different pieces that come into play to create the entire book. You'll be able to speak on them. That gives you certain expertise. Some people have even taken that and they've said, well, I have this expertise now that a lot of people don't have because they haven't put in the hours of time to learn it. But I have because I wrote a book. And guess what? Now I want to help other people and I can even charge for it. So you're gaining that technical expertise. Number eight, and I touched on this, or nine. And uh, this I want to dive into a little bit more deeply is confidence. 
confidence. And when we say confidence, we have to be careful that it doesn't turn into like braggadocio. It doesn't turn into boasting that seems to have a baseless root. I mean, confidence in that I did it. I took this super hard thing and I did it. I did the work and I feel so good. And I know I did a good job. And I know the reader is going to have an extraordinary experience as much as I possibly could give them. I left it all on the field as the sports and lingo goes. There's nothing. There's not one ounce of sweat or blood that I didn't wring out into my book. And I am supremely confident in the result. And you are that way because you love your book more. Do you see a theme here? Is this obvious enough? Is this thing on? Is anyone out there? Okay. Number nine is planning. Planning for the next book. What does that look like? Not just from the technical uh, aspects and the lessons that you learn, but now you can take it and say, from an organizational standpoint, I learned I work the best this way. I work best in word bubbles. I work the best when I write the whole thing in a weekend. I work the best when I chop it up into little pieces that I spread over a month. I work the best when I collaborate. I work the best when I push myself. Whatever it is, you're gathering information about yourself and what it takes to complete a multifaceted project. This is not just something you can apply toward creating your book. You can apply it elsewhere. Step back and look at how do I work the best? And don't be judgmental in this place. Oftentimes, when people invite us to step back and look at ourselves, the first thing that we're conditioned to do is say, but what could I have done better? That's not what this is about. As if you are peering down a spyglass and looking in at somebody and just observing them, but that person is you, I seem to work the best from a linear standpoint. I seem to work the best when I record the content, and then go back in and fuss around with the transcriptions. I seem to work the best when I block my time, etc., as we talked about earlier. Number 10, or the bonus 11, this is my favorite one, is paying it forward. This is my experience. This is what I learned. This is what I loved. This is what I loathed. And so now I'm going to tell other people about it. Once you write a book, you are going to have so many people coming forward to you. Oh, you write a book? Oh, that's so cool. I love it. Oh my God, I read it. It was amazing. It's great. You know what? I've thought about writing a book too. And what did you think about this? And how about this process? And who should I call about that? And what does this mean? Get ready because you are about to answer 101 questions on writing a book. But the good news for you is that you're a good person. You're going to take some time. You're going to listen to people. You're going to try and carve out some energy to give back into the world. I am not a fan 
of the straight up drop kick rejection. The people who say, I don't have time and I have nothing else for you. Anytime I tell somebody, hey, I'm sorry, I really don't have time this week. I will offer I have time next week. Or I really don't have time right now. I'm on a series of deadlines. I will follow that up with, but so-and-so might be able to help you. I don't want to be the person who stops the train from moving forward. Have you ever been in a coffee line, Starbucks, or if you're in Minnesota, our favorite, Caribou, everybody's in Minnesota's favorite is Caribou, or maybe the oddballs among us, Dunn Brothers. If you've ever been in a line and the person ahead of you has paid for you, even if the person behind you has 40 maca lattes, did I make that drink up? It sounds like I did. It is your job to pay for it. You cannot be the train or the, the caboose that stops the train. You can't be that person. I don't think you want to be that person. Probably if you've listened enough, you are not that person. And anytime I'm treated like that, I have to go and think about what would have happened if that person had paid it forward? Maybe nothing. We don't know, right? We're not fortune tellers, some of us. <laughs> if you are a fortune teller, please reach out. But maybe nothing. The bigger picture and the bigger lesson to me is, how do I want to feel when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'm excited. I want to do something. I want to work with you. I want to pick your brain. I think that's a very special time for all of us to say, I am going to pay it forward, maybe not through me, but through someone else. And all that comes down to is saying, you know what? I don't have the bandwidth for this, but someone else does. It's a matter of preparation. So you get to pay it forward as a writer. Make sure you remember that, even if you grow up to be David Baldacci. I think it's David Sedaras. I'm all in the Davids lately, apparently. Remember that. It doesn't matter how big you get. Have a plan in place to pay it forward to every single person that you possibly can. That's what you're doing as a writer. You're throwing yourself out there. You're throwing yourself off the train. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm over here. I'm shining a spotlight. I did this thing. It's really cool. Come look at it. That is what you're doing. So you have to be prepared that people are going to rush at you. Look at this cool thing. It's amazing. Did you read it? It changed my life. Tell me more about it. Don't shut the doors on people. If you're putting yourself out there and doing the work to bring that limelight to yourself, don't shut the door. Pay it forward and you figure it out. Okay. So we're wrapping up today. Here's your bonus bonus. Why do you have to love your book more than anyone? It's also not my job. It's not my job as a publisher or editor or anyone else's. There are limits to love. 
We can love it as much as we possibly can. We can believe in it. We can coach you through it. But we know at the end of the day, that book does not belong to us. In part, it does. But it was birthed in your heart. There's no replacement for that. It's also not fair for the author to expect that. Come to the project as organized as possible. Do some research about what that means. Show up. Do your homework. Do your work. That's your job. My job is to guide you. I can't love you enough to make you do things. I can't make you choose. I can't make you love it. You have to do it yourself. That's the one thing that I can't do for you. That's the one thing I don't want to do for you because if I was able to do that, everything that we just talked about, I would take away from you. And I don't think that's a cool thing to do. I want you to have those things, even if it means you have to work harder than you've ever worked in your life while doubting yourself and somehow still kicking your own butt to get across the line. When you decide to write, write effing now and love your book more than anyone else, you will discover what you wished you had known at the beginning of your book writing journey. This is why when I talk about the pride that I feel in my authors, I reference how they have crawled over that finish line with the sweat in their eyes, the dirt in their hair, the scrapes on their knees and elbows. They have the pride of tears flowing down their face, cutting tracks through the mud on their cheeks. They have gone through a transformation that can't be quantified. It can't be compared or explained they can't even tell you what you can expect to encounter. Take in these words today before you even reach out to talk to anybody about helping you with your book. Sit for a moment and close your eyes and envision yourself as the author. You're sitting there at your desk laboring over the laptop. You're shutting the door that shuts your family out. Envision your calendar, how it's going to look when you block off the days to do the work. Do as much as you can to familiarize yourself with the work that is about to take over your life. And you're giving over to this work, your life, your incredible passion. If you do not take the time to put in the quality, it's going to suffer. It's something no one else can do for you. Because even if you handed it over, let's say you had a twin and you handed it over to the twin and you said, hey, I want you to finish this for me. Pour your passion and your love and your heart into it. They would still bring to it their ideas, the lessons they have learned from their circumstances, their observations, what they think is cool, their history, etc. It will never be identical to what you wanted and it can never be in that state unless you make it your own. Writing a book is a commitment. It's a covenant that you make with yourself. You cannot be a commitment phobe. Prepare yourself for it. Make the time for it. Make the space for it. And you will never, never regret how it turns out. 
Okay, it's that time again. The perfect time to write effing now. When you need proven tips on getting the best writing on the page, you know where to go. Until next time, authors, write on.